Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I thought I'd try something a little different, something that really, really hasn't been done before. Now, the topic is the is a totally arcane world of college recruiting. Now, let's face it, the, the sad and frustrating irony of going through this process is that it's so complicated and so full of questions and unanswered emails and misconceptions and so forth that, well, for sports parents who want so much for their young athlete to be recruited, well, the the truth of the matter is it's just very, very difficult to get a handle on all of this. So I thought I would turn the tables a bit today. On today's show, I want to give you the perspective from the college coach's point of view when it comes to recruiting. That's right. Have you ever wondered how the college recruiting coach sees it all? Now, look, as many as you know, many of you know, I served as a head baseball coach at Mercy College for a decade. And during those years, I was fully involved in recruiting of top high school, high school and JUCO athletes. But that was some years ago. And so in order to get a more up to date look from the coach's perspective, I've asked our friend Wayne Mazzoni, the highly respected pitching coach at Sacred Heart University and an expert on college recruiting to join this morning to talk about the process from the coach's side of the table. Now, over the course of this hour, I'm going to be asking Wayne on how he and his colleagues actually go through the recruiting uh, evaluation process, how do they find their prospects, how do they know what their, the best showcases or summer leagues or travel or club teams are, how do you determine which kids to actively recruit and pursue and which ones are on their so-called B or second-tier list, and, and, of course, how do the coaches actually decide how much money to offer in terms of athletic scholarships, or they offer no money at all? And finally, you know, later on in the hour, what happens if a kid who's recruited goes to a school and doesn't turn out to be very good? What happens then? All right, so a lot of questions, a lot of ground to cover. You know the number, of course, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Now, of course, we're going to be talking about baseball primarily today, but certainly you know, the, the, the lessons to be learned this morning, the overlap into all college team sports. And on that note, Wayne, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I am cold, but I'm fine otherwise. <laughs> yes, I am too. I'm freezing. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wayne, let, let, let a, ground, let a you know, a turf to cover here this morning. Why don't we just start, why don't you give us a real quick brief overview of the recruiting process from the, the, the college coach's perspective? Okay, so first of all, while kids and parents are very stressed out over it, we are too because we have two jobs. We have to, to coach the players that we have, mm-hmm. and then we have to find new players. And the amount of information and the amount of kids and events in the geo, you know, geographical region to cover, it's really overwhelming. And, you know, I, obviously I coach baseball. There's really four of us that recruit, and it just depends on the sport. I mean, obviously football has the most, but even for them – it really can be overwhelming trying to sort through all the information to find the kids that are actually the right ones for you. So it really is 
it's a, a matter of dealing with information and trying to have a system so that you don't go crazy, you know, because just take a, a weekend in the summer, you know, at any one given time on a weekend, there's probably 50 places you could be just in the, in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Mm-hmm. So it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah, I think that uh, we were discussing this uh, earlier in the week, Wayne, that, you know, the, the proliferation of so many travel or club teams now, there's so many of them. And obviously we know that they're, they're for profit and uh, they're not really overseen or regulated in any way. But the fact is there was a time 20, 25, 30 years ago where college coaches, you know, like myself, we go out and you watched high school games. Uh, this is before the advent of travel baseball. But nowadays there's so many travel teams, it's almost like, well, as you just said, there's like on any given day there's 50, 50 teams to watch at, uh, during the course of the summer. So how do, you, how do you even decide where to go or how do you find out about top prospects or players? In so many different ways. Uh, I think probably, if you will, the still the best way is word of mouth, whether that's from a high school coach you trust or a summer league coach you trust or many times even alum, you know, an alum that's either coaching or just following the local teams in his area. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow when someone gets to you, it's almost like the world of work. You know, if there's a job opening, there's a gazillion resumes that get sent in. How do you get that your resume to actually be looked at? It's usually when someone calls the hiring person and says, listen, a kid sent his resume in. He or she is really qualified. Take a look. So I would say that there are many different ways, and I've got a, a list in front of me, but probably the number one way is to have somebody other than the kid or that kid's parents tell you that this is someone you should look at. Okay, well, let's, let's get into that for a second. Let me ask you, how, how many, and we're talking with Wayne Mazzoni, of course. Wayne, how, how many uh, video highlight reels do you receive over the course of a, of a year from kids who are, want to be recruited by you? I would say in our sport, baseball, probably... 20 to 30 a day, um, certainly knowing our football coaches where football's, you know, recruiting happens primarily by video because there aren't summer travel teams for football. I would venture to guess, you know, they're in the 200 to 300 a day. I mean, that's- so, it, so I really won't watch a video unless there's reason to watch that video. I'm not sitting at the desk going, oh, I got all these emails today. I got to research all these kids. Usually when someone tells me about a kid, then I'll go in and look at that video after I hear about him from somebody else. So, I mean, if I heard you correctly on the baseball side, you're, you say you're getting 20 to 30 a day. Uh, clearly, you could spend uh, a good portion of, of your hours just looking at videos. Um, and again, you're not going to make that effort unless you know there's one kid in particular you've heard about that, that you want to take a look at. But then... The videos, I mean, these are just people who just send in these things out, I guess, through a recruiting service, whatever it might be. I mean, what is your general take on, on the videos that come in, uh, you know, across the transom? Re- really good question. I think that for the most part, it's really hard to make a full evaluation. Sometimes you're just looking at some basic stuff, uh, the kid's size, or what kind of, you know, swing or pitch, you know, you're trying to get a little bit enough to see if you would actually then either call the coach about him if you haven't talked to the coach already, or maybe go see him in one of these events. The majority of the videos we get, the kid is not talented enough. That's the reality. Um, and then here's the other thing, and, and I hope people listening take this to heart. I always think this, and I can't speak for everyone, especially anything I say for all the college coaches, but the more production values the video has, the more graphics and music 
and you know it looks like Spielberg directed it. The, <laughs> usually, the worst the player is. I'd rather see an iPhone video shot of just you know an inning of a game or ten swings, something that's enough to get me excited. The more the production values, you think, all right, this kid's really trying to sell himself. Maybe maybe he's not that good. And the reality is, recruiting gets a lot easier when you're really good. When you work hard, when you're a good kid with good grades. And you play to just beat the other team and do the best you can. Good things happen. When you're always in, I hope someone sees me mode or get showcased mode, it usually is not going to work out. All right. So let, that's, I mean, that's interesting. Pers- I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but you're saying that if you say the more enhanced the production values are on, on the video, that's sort of a, to you a little bit of a, a, a warning that perhaps they're just trying to disguise the kid may have, have limited upside as a player. That's interesting perception, and of course, like uh, let, let, let's put it this way. Yeah. Here's just a dumb example, but if you're, let's just say, Rick, you had a son. Let's say he threw 95 to 98 miles an hour. Yep, which is very, very rare, of course. Would that kid need a highlight? You know, would he need a really great production video, or would he just need 10 pitches in a bullpen and show the radar gun, and everybody would be all over the kid? Yeah, so, I, yeah, I got you. Uh, or same thing with the kids, uh, tremendous uh, foot speed or tremendous power. I mean, you don't you don't need to have all the various bells and whistles. The kids running, Correct. you know, uh, like like a like like Usain Bolt down to first base. Okay, that would be eye catching. Or <laughs> right, exactly. Or guy, kids hitting balls routinely 400, 500 feet over the fence. Okay, I don't need to have the the soundtrack. I can see for myself. But I, I just want to be clear about this. I, I think what you just suggested to us is that if if you hear about a kid from your trusted sources, whether it's a uh, a high school coach you know and trust his evaluation skills or a travel team coach who you, you know and trust, you know, if they give you a heads up, then you're going to go and say, okay, have, have the kid send me uh, the video or I'll go actually go watch the kid play. So is that correct? Is that how it usually works? Exactly. And here, for, for again, for people out there on the other side, Really, your your number one job is to do the right things to get the college coach to at least know you're living and breathing and you want to play, you know, that sport in college. So if you just even get, you know, if, if Villanova is your target school and you get the Villanova soccer coach to say, hey, listen, we saw you. We don't think you're good enough. We don't need your position. You don't have the grades to get in here. You should be thrilled. you got to know. You've gotten past where 95% of people will ever get, which is no communication whatsoever. So from the side of the athlete and parent, it's like, what do I have to do to actually get a meaningful conversation and evaluation and relationship going? Even if it doesn't lead to success, it probably will at some school eventually. Wayne, let's, let's hammer that point again, because, you know, in this day and age, the, the, the social etiquette is if, if a kid or the kid's coach or whoever sends an email to a college recruiter uh, for, for sports, and if nothing is returned, there's no interest, there's, no, there's nobody, nope, the coach doesn't get back or nothing, I guess we should basically advise parents and, and uh, the high school coaches, the travel coaches, if there's no response, just take that as we're not interested. Is that, is that fair to say? Not, not exactly. For example, I mean, there could just be a time you're sending an, an email to a coach, the coach is in season, the coach has something going on personal. Like, I wouldn't send one email and go, oh, well, they didn't get back to me. That's over. You know, I'm talking more about somebody makes a phone call, that college coach goes out to watch this kid play a game. Yeah. And then at that point, if there's no interest, 
then you're probably safe to say it's time to move on. Okay. But okay. Too, too many kids do take that easy route of just emailing. It's not like, unfortunately, I, we all wish we could open up a computer and find all the recruits and then go sit on a beach somewhere. It's hard work. You yeah. have to go out and do the legwork. So just if, if the kid's plan is to just email, it's, it's probably not going to work for them. And to your point, if, if the coach does come back to you, and, and does take the time to say, look, I've looked at you, I've seen you play, I, I've seen your video, whatever. I have to tell you, I don't think you're a good fit for our program, um, uh, or I don't think your academics are up to snuff, or whatever it might be, at least you have the, 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 the rare sort of privilege of getting some direct feedback from a coach who's taking the time to say, no, let me tell you, it's just not going to work here. Um, Absolutely. I mean, when we run, you know, and still we'll probably get into this later, the best thing generally kids can do to get seen by the coaches at the schools that they like is to go to that school's actual prospect camp. It's the, it's the legal way to fully look at kids and work with kids. And it's great for them. These camps are cheaper. They're on campus. You get to meet the coaches, some of the players. Um, when I run these things with our staff, I tell all the kids and parents, here's one thing I can promise you. I will give you true, honest feedback at the end of this camp. You may not want to hear what I say mm-hmm. because the reality is about 7% of kids play college sports. Mm-hmm. You, you might be in that 93% be ready for it. Or I'll tell you why I didn't think you were good enough. And I think that's the best route to go. I, I know, you know, I have two kids of recruiting age. I'd want them to hear the straight truth so they know what they have to do to get motivated to get better. So oh. if they can get that honest feedback from somebody, that's, that's huge. All right. Well, Wayne, hold that thought. Uh, let me take a break. We're talking to Wayne Mazzoni from the coaches, the, the college coaches' point of view about the whole recruiting process, and obviously uh, uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll take calls for Wayne at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. First, we're going to take a break. Dave Uram has your sports update. Back with more after Dave. We're talking this morning about the inner workings of college recruiting, and Wayne Mazzoni, the highly regarded pitching coach at uh, Sacred Heart University. Is also a national expert on recruiting. He's given us some real insight from the coaches, the college coaches' uh, point of view. And we're taking your calls for Wayne at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Wayne, let's start with uh, Joe up in Westchester County. Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Um, I'm I'm calling with uh, just some uh, recollections. I'm a, I'm a retired high school principal, <clears throat> and one time we had a college recruiter. He was a a football recruiter. And I'll never forget something very valuable he told our parents who he could see were like seriously overzealous about trying to market their kids, so to speak. He said, listen, you, 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 you sign your kids up for a million leagues and, and you're, you're, you're running their bones into the ground. He said, the circle is small. Coaches talk to coaches. Uh, we, if your kid throws an 85 mile an hour pitch or is scoring five touchdowns a game, dragging five players. He said, if you have a talented kid, we're going to come to you. We're going to learn about that kid. And we go to other games. He said, he was trying to tell the parents, listen, you're sucking the fun out of the experience for your kids and for yourselves. If you have a talented kid, we're going to know about it, and we're going to find you. And and I, I don't know how deeply that got through the parents, but I never forgot that because um, maybe uh, Mr. Mazzoni and you can comment on exactly well, how true that is. Joe, I, I, 
First of all, thank you, thank you for that call, and I'll take a quick uh, swing yeah. at this. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the fact is, back when I was recruiting, and Wayne, you know how things have changed. Yeah, I did talk to high school coaches who I knew personally and trusted. I did, of all things, talk to, uh, and this is for baseball, I talked to umpires who obviously had no skin in the game. I would ask them about a kid that they'd seen or worked a game with one of the kids. I talked to, I read the papers. Now, again, papers today are pretty much becoming obsolete, but I sort of got a sense from, from talking to people who I knew and trusted their evaluation. Now, these days, again, with to Joe's point, you know, parents today say, well, that's all fine, but I don't want to trust that the word is getting out there just through, you know, organically. So I'm going to do what I can if I have the financial resources to to pay for my kid, to market my kid, to get make sure that he or she is known to, to college recruiters. So that makes sense. But as Joe says, I'm not sure that the parents understand that if your kid's that good, you know, they're going to know it. The coaches are going to know about him. Yeah, I mean, Joe – that's unbelievably said he's dead on and the the system has gone crazy. Really? The reality is, you know, I hate to say when I was playing, but I I played just to beat the other team and be with my buddies and challenge myself. Now, when you play, it's almost like you're thinking about, I got to make these free throws for the college to like me. I've got to do this for the college to like me. It's, it's a terrible way to go. And it's hard because that's the whole conversation. It's the social media. It's everything. So if any advice, like Joe said, and that coach said, like just live in the present moment, be the best you can today. And if you keep working hard, yeah, you could do some things to, to get ready for the recruiting process. But so many people are just gone crazy with it. And, and it's a shame. So if there's well, any advice, it is to try to be the best you can in that moment. Wayne, let me ask you a tough question. If, if we go with, with Joe and, and the coach uh, that he was talking about in his call, would you advise, is it, is it to, to that point, it, look, if your kid's a really good high school athlete, uh, there's no real purpose to spend money on, on trying to take the kids to showcases or take them to, uh, you know, get him a, a higher a, a recruiting service. The coach, trust the system. The college coaches will find your kid. Is that, is that fair to say? Was that, is that... I think it's fair to say, I, I will say this, that in most sports, if that's your primary focus, that sport, you probably do need to play a second season of it for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you like it, hopefully. Number two, you need to, you know, the more you play, the more you develop. And then secondly, it gives you more of an opportunity to get seen because, listen, I watch high school playoffs in my sport, and that's awesome. That's where you find the best, the best of the sport and the really good players. But... A lot of high school season, I'm in season. I cannot get out and watch those games. Of course. So the summer, yeah. for most coaches, is the heavy recruiting time because we have no one on campus, and that's when we recruit. So, But I will also say this. I'm a full believer, and every coach, just about every coach I know, fully believes kids should still be multi-sport players, play your second sport, your third sport. The kids that give up sports to just do that primary sport – is a bad route to go for many reasons. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's go over to New Jersey. Pete's been standing by. Pete, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good, Pete. Hey, Pete. Hey, thanks for taking the call. So I'm actually I'm talking about football, but I believe the, the concept is really what I want to drive or get really get you guys to drive to. Um, I'm uh, I'm actually headed to a school now with my nephew. He's being uh, looked at from a Division three. 
and he's my nephew. We are close, and, and I played one double A, so I've got a good background in understanding some of this. But um, listen, it, this school has walked away from football for for a short amount of time. I think maybe about fifteen years, um, and now they're coming back with it from a parent or from a relative of the student athlete perspective, right? What I've got some of the basic questions I feel comfortable asking. What are some really good questions I could throw at this program to understand, you know, their approach in recruiting, coming back, bringing the program back? What are some of the things I should be focusing on and would be telltale signs for me? Awesome question. I could tackle that one, Rick. Go ahead, first Ryan. and foremost, first and foremost, I would want to know what that school and that sport is doing to help manage this kid academically because the, you're going to a D3 school, football is awesome. You're there to actually learn something, get an education, get a degree, and get a career. So number one is what are they going to do to manage football and academics? That's first and foremost. And then secondly, you know, where's their field? Do they have a field now? Do they have a, they have a weight room? Do they have a strength and conditioning coach? You know, do they have a football staff in place? Like what is life going to be like here? Because if this kid is someone that has options, it's not that this place – this could be the perfect place. He may go in there in a, re, in a re, new, you know, new program and basically, because of that, get an opportunity to play right away. But at the same time, I'd want to know what's in place for my nephew to develop in the classroom and on the field. Yeah, I, I would echo those things, Pete. The D3 program, which is, I think you said is sort of new or, or just getting going here, I mean, these are fundamental questions. Let's see the stadium. Let's see the locker room. Let's uh, talk about the coaching staff and their credentials. You know, let's make sure everything is in place. I'd be a little concerned if, if the coach there says, well, we're still putting things together or there's, a, there's a, you know, plans are in place down the road. That would be like a, a warning sign to me. If my, if my nephew's going to be there this fall, I want to know exactly, you know, you know what, what, what's in place and what's happening right now. Simple as that. Yeah, thank you, guys. I think those are both great points, and I'm going to try to build on that. Thanks again. Thanks, Pete. Thanks All for right, the Pete. call. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's go to uh, our friend Ed Ward over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Wayne. Hey, Eddie. How's uh, Justin Levito doing? He's, he is the man. He, he is the, the kind of freshman that I wish they would all be. They came in raised right by his parents, and he's an adult. So he doesn't need to be told everything what to do. He's a super kid. I bring that up, Rick, only because I got to coach him and all that stuff, and I was kind of helping in the process of him going to Sacred Heart. Oh, good. That. Okay. Well, that's, that's so it. that's the reason why I brought that up. But, right. uh Here's the one thing that's, that's the big issue for parents. They have to understand reality. And Wayne attests this because you know, I used to coach college baseball, and I coached against Wayne. They have to realize what level their son can play at. I mean, everyone is trying to go to these elite uh, showcase teams that have, you know, and then they promote their D1 players, which rightfully so. But sometimes these parents don't understand that their, their son might be a D2 or D D3 player. And, like, for example, I just got done finishing our schedule for the travel team I'm coaching this summer, and I made it a mix. We have some kids that might be D1s, but we're also going to some different uh, college events where we're on D2 and D3 campuses. So this way they, they get to see what, what the level that they can play at. The biggest thing I had this, this fall, I sat down with a parent, and the schools that they put down, there's no way that their son could play at. And I basically told them up front and all that. And, they, and the reason why they put them down, they didn't, they didn't have an education on the whole recruiting process. Right. I was so that's say, another yeah. thing. Yeah. The parents got to be educated on this. Well, how, how would they? And how I, would they know it? I mean, you know, 
just said, the parents, they don't, most of the parents, uh, you know, I'm generalizing, most of them don't have any real education on the recruiting process. They don't, unless the, you know, more of the parents played at a D1 program, they would know just how good the kid has to be. So, I mean, w- at what point does a parent, the parent might say, well, gee, Ed, you know, my kid hit 350 and uh, hit uh, some home runs. Certainly he can play at, at a D1 program. Well, you just think, ah, I don't think so. I mean, but that, that's the hard, cold facts. And at, at some point, somebody has to sort of educate not only the, the parents, but the kids' expectations as well. Well, right, here's, here's, here's my answer. answer. I'm sorry, just, go ahead, Wayne. I was just going to say very quickly, Ed, first of all, you're dead on accurate. But the second, the thing that we tell them is, guys, you got to go watch D1, D2, D3. got to watch a, a game or a practice to get an idea of what it's like because they have no idea. The only college baseball or maybe soccer or whatever sport it is, the only thing they see is the Division One that gets on TV during the playoffs. And every sport looks easier and different on, the, uh, on TV. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I say to kids when they come to my things, I say, I play D3. It was awesome. You don't understand how good you have to be to even play D3. They have no earthly idea. So they have to get out and see what's out there because otherwise they just don't know. Yeah, I, I, and Ed, I, I, uh, I hear you and I, I feel for you because, as I said, uh, clearly sometimes it's up to you, you know, because you have the experience uh, to, to sit down with the parents and say, look, this is where your kid may want to go to, you know, uh, you know, top D1 programs for their sport. But the fact is they're not going to play there. They're not even going to get sniffed at. And, well, I, uh, you know, that's a problem. That's and hard though, when, you're in, when you're in the program, right, Ed? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And here, here's one point that I think is important. Wayne brought up about attending the college camps. They are very beneficial. The reason I say that is, as Wayne said, sometimes there's 50 events going on the weekend. They can't get everywhere. However, what the parents have to realize, they don't have to go into their IRA, Roth account, retirement funds to, to go to 90 million camps. Pick out the schools that that you feel that your son could play at, or if you have, like in our situation, coaches that are realistic, tell them what what camps they should go to. They should go to a select few. They don't have to spend Amen. over to over ten grand. A select few, as I said, and plus, if you play on a good travel team, they're going to be going into into very good events where you're going to be seen by by all sorts of level of college coaches. Yeah, I hear you. A thousand percent right, Ed. Thousand percent. Absolutely. Right. Ed, thanks yeah. as always for the call. Have a great day, both of you. Thanks, guy. All right, Ed. Hey, Wayne, let me ask just a follow up on Ed's call. All right, so very quickly, you know, Sacred Heart, you have, uh, you know, the, the, the summer camp, uh, the weekend, you know, kid comes in. Tell us, you know, what about that? I mean, uh, how does that work and, and how many kids come in and what does it cost and how does the whole thing play out? Okay, so there's a, there's a few different things again in our sport. You have more of a, like a prospect a type camp, which is individual kids come in. And then there's also a new proliferation called team camps, which is basically the entire travel team comes in and basically plays a two or three day tournament at that college field, regardless of what the style is, you're doing all the different things. And this is why it's awesome for us. Number one is you're doing the, the showcase part, if you will, you watch the kid run, you watch, you measure the velocities and all these different things. You get all the metrics which is a start. It doesn't tell you who's great. It's just a start. Right. And then you play, and then you play games and then you actually watch these kids in the games and get to see how that translates. But you know, if, if you want to say this, if you want to say that a hundred kids come to an event, for example, five of them are, are good enough to play at our level. A couple of them. And listen, here's the other piece I have in my notes. 
what people don't understand from our side is there's also guys that we fall in love with, that we would love to get and they go elsewhere for whatever reason. That's the side that it, it's hard to find. Like we're, we already talked about the 20, 30 emails we get a day of kids that would love to play for us. There's also 20 kids a year, maybe more that we love that are just either too good or they're a different part of the country or they have different academic aspirations. It's not, it's not simple to find that right kid that is the fit in every capacity, grades, the, the, the sports skill, and then the characteristics that you want. So it, that's why it takes a lot of legwork to, uh, to figure it I out. And I think that's exactly what I was hoping you would talk about because, you know, the parents have to understand this is not uh, cookie-cutter stuff. It's not pro forma. It's a lot of work from the coach's perspective as well to find the right kid, to find the right, you know, uh, uh, situation uh, for the youngster who ends up at – in this case, Sacred Heart. All right, let me, let me take a And, and Rick, I'm sorry, just one very brief thing is every coach is looking for different things in every sport. So of course. So a kid might go to five camps. Three coaches don't like the kid. The other two love him because everyone has a different style of what they're looking for. There's the inexact part of it as well. And, and you know, maybe this year you need to find a, uh, a first baseman and a, and a, and a left yeah. fielder. Well, my program, I have those guys coming back, so I don't need a first baseman or a left fielder, but you might. So, yeah. That's, exactly. So exactly. That's all yes. a major uh, part of the process as well. All right, let me take a timeout. Uh, when I return, we'll keep talking with Wayne Mazzoni about college recruiting. Stay with me. Hey, at 9 o'clock this morning, following the sports as it is uh, Football Sunday with Mark Malusis and Dave Deal. Uh, a couple other quick notes. Uh, first of all, there's a very cool movie that's out making the rounds right now. It's called In Search of Greatness. And uh, I'll tell you why it's so neat. Uh, for one thing, if you're of a certain age and grew up admiring athletes like uh, Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or Muhammad Ali, Pelé, uh, Jerry Rice, and so on, this hour-long movie interviews these stars on how they approach their sport. First of all, they all share the, the common belief that it was great fun, and that's why they competed, not so much for the money. Uh, and yes, of course, they all were super competitive, and they, they really didn't care about analytics. Rather, you know, they sort of looked to break out of the traditional mold. Wayne Gretzky was unusual, for example, in the way he approached uh, the sport of ice hockey. But the interviews in this movie are all superb. Uh, you know, but on top of the interviews, the actual game footage is really worth your time. Uh, and if you really, if you get a chance to see uh, in, in Search of Greatness, I, I'd hardly recommend it. Make sure your kids watch it as well because they'll begin to understand how amazingly terrific these stars of the past generation really were. Again, you can just go and Google In Search of Greatness and you can see where this movie is playing. It's, it's Again, it's, it's worth your while. Uh, one other quick note, uh, our sports psychology symposium is slated to take place on December 5th at 7 o'clock at the Fairlawn uh, Rec Center in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I'll, of course, be there talking about sports psychology myths and misconceptions. There will also be a book signing of my book, Secrets of uh, Sports Psychology Revealed. Now, grab a, a pen or a pencil here. I'm going to give you some numbers. From what I understand, tickets are apparently going very quickly, so you're advised to get them now ahead of the event. Uh, they cost $20 for adults, $10 for teenagers and seniors. Uh, to purchase them, Here's what, you have two options. One you can either go to Brown Paper Tickets online and find the event number, which is number 366-1337, or you can call our friend Jack Smithlin at area code 201-693-2557. Again, I'll repeat this for you. Go to Brown Paper Tickets online 
event number 366-1337, or call Jack Smithlin at 201-693-2557. Okay, we're talking this morning with Wayne Mazzoni. Uh, I want to make sure you all know you can always go to waynemazzoni.com. If you want more answers, more direct information, and want to talk to Wayne or reach out to him about this recruiting wars, um, and of course, along at his website, you can find his book, Athletic Recruiting and Scholarship Guide. Uh, Wayne, I um, you know, there's so much to, to cover here, and I appreciate you taking the time this morning. And our time, unfortunately, is limited. Let me go quickly. I just mentioned uh, Jack Smithlin. Let's go to Jack, who joins us now over in uh, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. Rick, uh, this is a masterpiece. It's uh, unbelievable. Um, I, I, you, you come up with them. It's, keep doing it. Um, it's funny because I've been a Wayne. I've been a hitting coach for about twenty years, and I coached at the high school level for over forty. And I've worked with some colleges and stuff. I had two sons that were both recruited. One pursued it. The other one went into business and is now making more than his mom and dad combined. But that's the goal. The recruiting. <laughs> it's the goal, but uh, the recruiting part is excellent because you know one of the things that I've learned. And the one gentleman who said, you know, just go out and play and your coach will find you. Most of the time, I, I believe that's correct. But, you know, my son Zach was recruited by 30 Division One schools for baseball and more even so for track. And the funny thing about it is his own state university didn't even know who he was until they played against the, each other in the NCAA tournament. Um, Rutgers didn't even know who Zach was. And you know what? One of the things that I learned years ago was that you have to recruit your college as much as you think they should recruit you. <clears throat> and like you said, there's nothing better than getting a call from a person and, you know, and listening because in reality, and I'm not making your job look any less because it's unbelievably hard and difficult, but when somebody calls you, they actually take the first step for you. They might have found somebody for you. So if you research it and look, and, you know, watch this kid or even ask for a video. And, you know, I never send a video. The first thing that I do is I call the coach up personally. And yep. I call his, yep. his office phone. Usually 95% of the time that coach will call me back within a week. And then we made a connection. And there's the connection. It's a voice-to-voice -voice connection. And I think that is so, so important. And, and one of the things that, you know, pursuing it and just following up on it, you know, the, the thing that I like the most is that these coaches are enthusiastic, and the one thing that the, every single coach does is thanks me for the call. So, you know, the part about everything you're saying, I believe I'm doing, and, you know, it makes me feel good to hear an expert talk about it because, you know, I'm far from an expert, but I've been around it a long time, and it's a, it's a, it's a great job. You know, I give you a lot of credit because it's a very difficult job. You know, Rick, like he said, he was a coach for, for 10 years. It's, it's a full-time job no matter what, no matter what level. So, I, you know, I uh, really, really respect the job that you guys are doing. Rick, uh, the shows that you bring on are just unbelievable. I learn every single week from them. Well, so, Jack, th thank you. And obviously, uh, uh, you talked about your boys, but uh, I know Zach in particular, who had gone on to play ball at Penn State uh, and then eventually at Pro Bowl, was going back, looking back, was there any particular, how did the word get out about Zach? Was it, them, was it the high school level? Was it summer leagues? Well, how, how did it happen? This, 
Wayne, Wayne, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna little, you're gonna gloat at this a little bit, but you know, when I, and I'm, you know, he's my son, and I'm a proud dad first, and then I'm his coach. But Zach threw 90 miles an hour. All right, he with with a crow hop from the outfield, he was throwing 92 to 94. I mean, Zach ran, believe it or not, he ran at one point a 6'1", 60. Mm. Um, he was recruited by Stanford for track. So he got seen by most, you know, he did some showcases and stuff like that. But he got seen because, like you said, he performed. He was a switch hitter that was a lifetime 350 hitter at Penn State. Um, he led the ten, Big Ten in stolen bases every year. He still holds the record for Penn State. So he was seen. But one of the things that, that I think that was the most important was making personal contacts with these coaches. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. as much, I didn't rely on a recruiter or recruiting coach. I did it myself, and I learned from it, and I learned you know, the hard way sometimes. And now with my, I'm, a, I'm a hitting coach, and I recruit for my hitters. And you know, listening to you, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know that I'm doing it the right way. Well, Rick, think about this, too. Think about you and I are coaching on the same staff, and we're like, man, our senior shortstop is awesome, but we got to find a replacement, you know. And you're sifting through all these shortstops, and, and you're getting videos, whatever, no one's good enough, and then all of a sudden you get this call from someone you trust, and they go, hey, man, there's a kid that's a shortstop. He loves your school. Great kid, great family, good academics. Kid hustles, does everything right. Wouldn't you go? Thank you. Oh my God, this is the best <laughs> phone call ever. Why am I found my new shortstop? Yeah. So, of course, it's a great call. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things you said before, Wayne, about the videos. I remember going into Coach Hindelang. He was the head coach, and I actually remember Roberts down in North Carolina who recruited Zach. We liked we liked North Carolina Chapel Hill also. I remember yeah, going good. into um, Hindelang's office the first time we went in, and there was a stack. I mean, from floor to ceiling of videos. And I said, oh my God, Zach, look at all those videos over there. He said, yeah, Dad, because these are probably all the people that they're recruiting. No, they weren't. They were all the ones that people had sent that they didn't even look at. They didn't yeah. even right. look at. Yeah, Jack, that's... said that they used to section it off. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it just, it's people, the parents, uh, you know, don't understand that because it's just an endless amount of tape being sent, uh, you know, to the coaches, which are never really going to be seen or taken seriously. Correct. Jack, Jack, thanks, uh, as always, for the call and the great insight. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be seeing you uh, in a few weeks for sure. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. You bet. Thank Wayne, you. great job, Wayne. Thanks, thanks buddy. Uh, Wayne, real quick question. I, I've always been curious about because, uh, you know, when I was doing this, uh, you know, I was competing. Obviously, college coaches compete. That's what they do for a living. When you go on the recruiting trails uh, and you're out there and you sing, you know, you go to see a kid, perform in a showcase or a summer league, whatever it might be, and you see other college coaches there. Do you guys talk? Do you talk to your competitors? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, we're all in the same thing together. We all face the same deal with the crazy weather and the sport, and we're all living the same lives and whatnot. So, I mean, 98% of the guys are all friendly and talk to each other. Some coaches, they, you know, they don't like to be distracted, so they might sit on the side and just kind of really lock in on a player. But we're basically all friends and colleagues, if you will. I mean, it's not like we go so far as to say, hey, I found this great kid no one knows about. You, you should know about him. I mean, we wouldn't do that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, it's, we're all very close, and I would say that's the same for most sports. 
Okay, I was I just you know it's always curious. Like uh, you know, you say, well, I think I have a I found some kid that maybe nobody knows about, and all of a sudden you go there to look at him, and there's half a dozen other colleges that are watching him. Now it's a little different. Oh, yeah, that just stinks. I mean, I've had that happen. You're like, I'm going to show up today. There'll be no one there but me, and then you show up and you see the car from these other schools, and you're bummed, and then you you know you say, oh, you're here to see the Smith kid, right? And they're like, yeah, and I go, you know, depending on which school it is, like some schools, quite frankly, are so have so much to offer, you know, that you may not have a, a shot at. And there'll be other schools that if the both of you are interested, you know you're going to win out just based on a variety of things. So, yeah, I understand. I mean, it, you know, uh, that's all different from like a showcase when, you know, if you go to a, yes. a well-respected showcase, uh, there might be 60, 70 coaches there, but everybody knows that's going to happen because they know that these are top, top prospects. But Exactly. Uh, I, it, well, look. Wayne, I, 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 first of all, I can't thank you enough I, to, take, to take on this challenge to present it from the coach's perspective and to present to our, our listeners what goes on from your point of view and how difficult and how challenging it is to put together your recruits and, and to find out, you know, is this kid interested? Is he really that good? Is he going to be okay? Is this going to work academically? All these things. And we're just sort of skimming the, uh, you know, the surface here. But this is, these, I just want parents to know how how challenging this is from the coach's point of view as well, because sometimes I don't think they understand that. And, again, the one thing for sure we've talked about with the callers as well is that the parents have to educate. they got to go see. they got to take their kid to watch a D1 or D2 or D3 practice or game to see just how good these guys are. Simple as that. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. Wayne Mazzoni, my thanks as always. Always good to talk to you. It's WayneMazzoni.com. Friends, if you want to find out more information about what Wayne has to offer. And again, Wayne, my thanks. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, Rick. Stay warm. <laughs> thanks, big guy. Talk to you. Uh, okay, let me take a quick break. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Big Wolf. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan. Sports Radio 66. WFAN. I just want to do a quick uh, recap of some of the uh, really intriguing points that Wayne Mazzoni made today, and also the callers as well. Uh, look, we all know that the recruiting wars are, are basically the territory is uncharted. It's, uh, it's very complicated. It's very complex. And that's why I was glad Wayne really sort of tried to drive home the point. And I agree with this. My own years of recruiting, uh, you have to start by educating the parents and basically trying to fig- let them understand or trying to determine just how good their your son or daughter is and how they're going to project into the college level. you got to have sure your kid goes and sees uh, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three teams play in person and in particularly practice sessions so they get a real feel as to just how good they may or may not be looking ahead to college. That's where the whole recruiting process, that's where the road begins with that very first step. Okay. That's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Brian Rascona. Please stick around for uh, Dio Malusis. They're up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.